having established our role as his disciples, uh, you know, those that he's called uh, and called together and marked out as his, uh, those he has given uh, new kingdom hearts to live and bear witness about him to the world that that isn't yet his, uh, Jesus, having established these things, now zooms in very personally and specifically to each kingdom heart. And he's not here trying to to undo everything that he otherwise teaches, you know, about those things of, of our call into the whole body of believers, the natural corporate expression of church as we map out this faith together in him, the one flock, as he put it, in our call to worship earlier. No, he's not undoing any of that collective big picture of being his disciples. But rather Jesus here in chapter 6 of Matthew simply now begins reminding us all of the fundamental personal conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to us and to each of us when he first gives us this new kingdom heart. Personally, privately, intimately, we become Jesus' people one by one. We are reborn from above when Jesus' salvation is applied in our very own heart into a new relationship, a personal, private, intimate relationship with the living God. In other words, uh, as Jesus uh, unpacks here in chapter 6, the the corporate and public expression of our faith is meaningless if it's nothing but that. Because the basis of that wider expression is that our own individual heart has in the first place been, been made kingdom brand new. If our statement of faith in Jesus Christ is only for public display, and there's nothing actually going on in the private and secret places of our heart, then then we either haven't yet been given or, or haven't yet discovered the beauty of that kingdom heart new that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. And so Jesus now hones in on that as we listen to the next part of his sermon here in chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Living the kingdom heart new is is not about looking righteous in other people's eyes. Jesus goes on here with three examples to follow up with this of how in actual fact, at the basis of our place in his church, we each must come into the kingdom heart directly, personally, privately, ourselves, And so this teaching in verse 1 with the three examples that follow is is therefore all about what we can call kingdom heart secret. That at a fundamental individual level we we are living out a personal living relationship with the personal and living God. A relationship that the rest of the world doesn't know about in full. Catch that again. Christians have a private relationship with God that the rest of the world and and the rest of the church even cannot know about in full. I.e., we aren't just Christians by way of our public appearance or reputation. And we should all be wary that this very danger is sitting in front of us as Jesus frames all of this up for us. He says, Beware! Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And he gives these three examples of how we can how we can make sure that we won't fall into that danger. And the key to all of it, our defense against this very real danger is 
is all about this little word that he keeps on using here, secret. Thus, he says in verse 2, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Hypocrites are those who present themselves falsely to others. Hypocrisy is is all about pretense. It's acting. It's when people say and do what they say and do, but without any actual basis of that in their life. And Jesus exposes here why they do do that. The pretense and the show, it's, it's for this simple reason that they may be praised by others. And they will receive praise most of the time for what others can see. And if not, they'll do something bigger or more publicly visible to get that praise. But it's coming from the wrong place, says Jesus. What Jesus would like when we, when we give to those in need is that we are actually doing it for him. If our heart is alive and and we do have this new and personal relationship with God, then we should be living to please only him. We shouldn't even dwell on it ourselves, Jesus says, lest ourself should praise us and start to corrupt our heart's motive. Do not even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Self-adulation is a danger as well. Rather, says Jesus, live so as to please your Father in heaven. You have a personal, secret relationship with him. So so live and then give so that he might reward you. Because your secret heart giving will be untainted by that sinful, hypocritical, prideful desire for ego and and self. Uh, that, That isn't giving at all. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Praying is not something that we do to to receive adoration or respect from others. Praying is talking to God. Praying is talking to God. If we have been called into the kingdom of God, then our heart will be speaking with God. Not, Not for show and pretense, but because of the basic relationship that we have with our Father. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Christian, you have a personal, private and intimate relationship with God, such that he knows what you need before you even ask. Come to him then, and actually Pray, says Jesus. Actually, pray. The hypocrites on the street and the the pagans out there chanting are not praying. 
They're not praying. Prayer happens in the hearts that have been brought into relationship with the living and loving Father God. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting is another one of these areas where we can just pursue religiosity. (laughs) Religiosity to receive the praises of men. But we should do it in secret, says Jesus, for our Father in heaven. There's all kinds of fasting in Scripture, by the way, and all kinds of reasons that we might fast. We might seek discipline in our lives, build our dependence on God, open up time or or focus for these other things like giving and prayer, seek guidance from God, mourn before God, clarify our petitions to Him, and, and all kinds of other things too. But whatever it be for, let it not be for public display and the praise of sinful men. Let it be something we do from the personal renewal we have into this privileged relationship that our Father has brought us into. God wants to be central to all of these things. And to other things I'm sure Jesus could have gone on to speak to, but he gives just these three examples. God wants to be central. Living as kingdom people is our worship. And that should be spurred on by and totally directed to him. And so Jesus is checking our motives here as to why we live as we do. Are we living lives of worship to God? Or are we seeking acceptance, adoration, affirmation maybe, or acknowledgement from men. These are challenging teachings, and if we are honest with ourselves, there is, there is something of this danger Jesus is alerting us to here, not just in front of us, but within. There is a basic, sinful prideful instinct in every human heart. And while the new kingdom heart sets root and and slowly reshapes us, the old is still nevertheless there all the while, and it wants its power over us again. The danger of pride is that it lingers within and yet under our radar, hiding, waiting to take us captive again. Jesus warns us here, But he shows us, too, the natural defence. We must cultivate our personal relationship with God. We must cultivate our personal relationship with the living God. The fact that this is so challenging means we need to check very carefully our heart. We all have this desire to be recognised for for such things like this. We're all likely living at some sinful level. We're likely to be living to please people rather than God. But the more we cultivate our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, the better we are equipped against that danger within. 
the fact that we often struggle on the secret side of these things in our personal relationship with God can, can often be because we don't have uh, the energy or the time, the motivation as, as much as we would like to. Jesus is calling us here to make time for these secret things. Make time for God such that we allocate some of our energy to him. It's a relationship we've been called into. And making time and finding energy for this relationship can be hard in, in, in the modern and chaotic world. But, but Jesus doesn't say this secret heart relationship will be easy or, or, or come naturally to us to begin with. But he still calls us into this secret with him. That we belong to the kingdom of heaven should be something of a priority in our life, even now. It may then be, as, as we do uh, hear this and rise to this teaching, that we don't quite know how, how to be doing these things in secret with God, whether, whether what we are doing is, is all right. But here is the beauty of a personal relationship with God. We can, we can talk with him about precisely such things. We can learn to slow down and sit with him in, in our own secret ways. But Jesus gives us some good angles here to help us settle into this relationship with God so we, so we can get started with these secret giving, secret fasting, secret prayer with our God. There's all kinds of other things, of course, that we might also then bring into our secret heart life with our Father. Things like scripture time and, and, and silence time and, and solitude time and service and celebration times. We might talk about those kind of secret joys some other time, but, but, but today might we just be excited, excited that Jesus is teaching us here that the Father will be with us with us as we secretly worship and connect to him in these kinds of ways. That whatever we do, he will see. Do you catch that in Jesus' teachings here? What we do in secret, our Father in secret will see. He will be with us. This is not one of the, the gods of the pagans or, or a distant, uncaring, impersonal force or something. This is God our Father. And he loves us and, and wants to be in this secret, intimate, personal relationship with you and I. Maybe we could then be all the more excited that Jesus, Jesus says that our Father won't just see and, and know what we say and do in secret, but that he'll, he'll reward our secret relationship with him. Maybe we could desire that reward in a quiet and humble and God-pleasing way, secretly with him. And could, could the sheer joy of that secret heart relationship with God and what Jesus shows us here, that our, that our Father sees and knows all that we do because he's with us and watching us and keeping us his, could, could that not actually be reward in itself, sufficient for most days? These are beautiful teachings from Jesus. I do think, though, that there's a few things we should be careful to attend to in terms of, you know, putting these beautiful teachings here back into that wider kingdom context that Jesus has already set outside this text. A few things we should probably be equally aware of 
so that we don't get this wrong. As we let Jesus call us again in this personal way, let's, let's not go some other way and get all of this wrong. First of all, what Jesus says here can't be about not doing these kinds of things publicly and, and visibly too. Because there are other scriptures that make that so clear. Rather, his point here is that only doing things publicly would be hypocrisy. In other words, if our secret relationship with God isn't behind our public presentation as Christians, then we are no more than hypocrites. We must fundamentally get our own hearts into personal relationship with God. But when that does happen, these things also flow naturally back into the family of God. And so there are loads of scriptures where we read of corporate and public Christian giving and fasting and prayer. For example, common, open giving was enjoyed by the whole church in Acts 2. Acts 2.44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's the collective expression of this secret kingdom heart that is in each and every believer who believes. Common open prayer was enjoyed by the whole church together in Acts chapter 4. Acts 4.24, when they heard that Peter and John were released from prison, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had all prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's the collective expression of the secret kingdom hearts in each and every believer who believes. Common open fasting was still part of life in the early church's day. In Acts 27, Luke, Luke accounts for time by, by a capital F fast that was still in play. But so too here in Matthew's Gospel, just a few chapters ahead, people will come to Jesus knowing that John the Baptist's disciples were fasting and, and wondering why Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. And, you know, Jesus doesn't say to them, well, well, it's because from now on they will only ever be secretly fasting such that no one will ever know. No, rather he says that his disciples will fast. And seemingly that such of these other people inquiring will sometimes know. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Well, Jesus just gave away their secret. Churches today continue these things, and without question the scriptures have them as part and parcel of Christian church life. 
Jesus's point here in chapter 6 is not that we should not do such things openly and in common, rather that we should not only do such things for a public display. Even the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer that he gives us in the middle of this very teaching about secret relationship with God can, can help us to see this for sure. Because in the middle of all this secret, secret teaching, did you notice that the Lord's Prayer that he then gives us is actually all framed in the first person plural? Check it again, chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Scripture actually, if you start looking for it uh, openly and honestly, it actually calls us clearly and very powerfully to corporate worship in, in such things as these. So we should be aware of the, the dangerous opposite trap, that our hearts might, might latch on and misuse Jesus' words here to try to do. Be, being his disciple it cannot be, be all about our own private relationship with God. It's just that... It's just that part is necessary to do. And if you think about it, actually, to not then do such things publicly too would also be tantamount to hypocrisy, just the other way around. If our public faith shouldn't be a sham that has no private heart basis, then nor should our secret heart faith be out of step with a public and corporate faith. That two would be hypocrisy, just the same. A second thing that we might be aware of, not to get Jesus wrong here, is that, is that what he's trying to teach us can't be about limiting our worship, you know, by only having one way of, of doing these kinds of things. So, for example, he can't be giving us this Lord's Prayer so that we, we only ever say exactly those words in our prayer. He's teaching us how to pray, not necessarily what to pray, although, although the what here is perfectly fine, of course. But the long prayer that I just read before by Jesus' disciples in, in Acts chapter 4 was, was entirely different words. And God answered that prayer. So too, if you look through scriptures, you won't, you won't hear people praying exactly these words. I think rather that Jesus is teaching us this Lord's Prayer because of the posture of prayer that it will bring us into. It's a posture of intimacy and certainty in our loving Father God, the one who knows us so well that, that he knows better than us what we need and who just wants us to be intimate and certain in relationship, praying with him. There are all kinds of secret prayers by God's people written in Scripture, you know, that they pray on their own, that, that take on that posture without, of course, those exact words. Prayers, say, by Daniel or, or Jonah or Hannah or Paul or Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus isn't teaching us here to live our faith only and exactly in these ways. And so, therefore, we should also notice that Jesus does seem to assume that we will be doing these three things 
which is good food for thought if you're only doing one of these or two. But, but, but should we think that Jesus wants that we should only do these three things? What about evangelism, service, welcoming strangers, visiting the sick or, or imprisoned and, and these kinds of things? Jesus is surely not limiting our kingdom heart worship to a few exact things. Rather, what he's calling us to is a kingdom heart secret, where, where even in the darkest of places and spaces and times, we have a rich and upwelling life of joy with our God right within. That relationship is not limited or, or mechanical. It's rich and flowing as the relationship flourishes and grows. The third thing we might be aware of as we pursue this good call from Jesus here in chapter 6 is to stop and sort of flip these examples he gives us and think about them the other way around. We should ask ourselves, why is it? Why is it that the others in Jesus' examples, the others are impressed by those public religious displays? Why is that? Look at these others in these few verses again in verses 2 and 5 and 16. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Why are these others so caring of all this? Why so impressed that they would even give praise for those public religious displays? Why do we go beyond even noticing such things that, that we would think highly of those people who are so visibly giving or prayerful or fasting or doing other such worshipy kind of things? Why do we think highly? But we do, don't we? We notice that others are more religious than we are and and we fall into danger there too. And again, the defence to this is simple and natural for us to do. We just need to draw closer in our own relationship with our own Father, in our own way, in our own life. We shouldn't be distracted or, or impressed or discouraged perhaps by what, by what others are visibly doing. Our joy is to be found in our kingdom heart secret. And that joy will then flow back to all God's believers in our own kind of way. Let me try to put Jesus' teachings here in, into a couple of challenges to us all. Will you take more time in your secret heart relationship with God? And will you then let that heart flow back with pure motives to others? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this teaching from Jesus. But it is hard and confronting for us. And we pray, therefore, that you would please help us to, to map these things out in our lives. Draw us closer to you. Personally, draw us closer. Intimately, 
draw us closer and give us deeper and deeper love for you in the secret depths of our heart. And then help us to let that flow back into community that we would all give our hearts to your mission in a pure and and richer way. In Jesus' name, help us we pray. Amen.